0: Hey there, this is Brian Zond, and welcome to my sermon podcast. I'm glad that you're interested in the sermons that I preach here at Word of Life Church in St. Joseph, Missouri. And if you ever feel inclined to help us by supporting us financially, you can do that at our website, wolc.com. Thank you. Well, on the sixth Sunday of Eastertide, you know we're still in Tide, right? We're still celebrating resurrection. On the sixth Sunday of Eastertide, uh, the lectionary gospel reading brings us again to the upper room, to this final discourse that Jesus is giving to his disciples. And anticipating Pentecost and the coming of the Holy Spirit, Jesus says, I will ask the Father... And he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Now, the first thing I want you to notice about this promise from our Lord is the presence of the Trinity. Jesus says, I, the Son, will ask the Father, Father God, and he will give you another helper. This is in reference to the Holy Spirit. So Father, Son, and Holy Spirit all present in this promise. And from the Father and from the Son comes the Holy Spirit who comes to us as a helper. Anybody need any help? Okay, the Holy Spirit comes to us as a helper. Now, this word is translated many different ways in many different English translations. When you see that, when you see that it is apparent that no single English word is sufficient to translate some word out of a different language, then you know that that is, in fact, a very rich word that really defies a single word translation. And that's the case with this word here. So in, in New King James, it's, it's helper, and that's the one I've used here. But in the older King James, it's comforter. In Revised Standard, it's counselor. And in the new Revised Standard, it's advocate. So you can tell they're saying, well, this this is a big word, and we can't just quite find the perfect word in English to translate it. Uh, This is also one of those biblical Greek words that has entered into Christian vocabulary Like agape. Anybody familiar with that word, that word for love? Agape. It's a Greek word, but in Christian vocabulary, we know that word. Or or maybe some of you know koinia, having to do with communion, fellowship, sharing, participation. Um, That word also, it's a Greek word, but it's a word that at least some in Christian vocabulary are familiar with. Well, this is one of those words. Paracletos, or maybe it's Pericles. I'll let the Greek experts decide on how it should be pronounced. But it actually can be anglicized as paraclete, which becomes an English word. You can find the word paraclete in an English dictionary. So we'll use, we'll use that word. And paraclete, just so you understand what I'm saying, Jesus says, and I will ask the Father, and he will send you another paraclete to be with you always. And so so we need to get a little bit familiar with this word, paraclete. Uh, It means one who comes to the aid of another, so helper. But it also means one who pleads the case of another, so advocate. But it also carries the meaning of Counsel and comfort. So those meanings are also present. Literally, it means someone that comes alongside. Someone that will be at your side. I mean, it's... Paraclete comes to us from the Latin through the Greek. Para, to be beside. to to lend assistance, to help. So it's, I will send you one that will come and stand by your side and help you. You know, when you're in trouble... We all need that one that will say, I'm with you. You can count on me. I'll be there, I'll be right by your side. I got your back, that kind of language. How how comforting is that? When someone of real capability says, don't worry about it, I'm gonna be with you. I'm I'm gonna walk you through this. I'm gonna be at your side. I got your back. You don't have to do it alone. I'm there for you. This is what Jesus promises that the Father will send us in the Holy Spirit. Amen. Now, this word paraclete, we find it five times in the New Testament, all in the writings of John, four times in the Gospel of John where it refers to the Holy Spirit, and once in the first epistle of John where it refers to Jesus. So there is a connection between Jesus The paraclete and the Holy Spirit, the paraclete. Now when Jesus says, I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper, he means, look, guys, as I have been with you, I've walked you through this, I've been teaching you, I've been with you, I've helped you. Remember that time in a storm? Remember you were in a storm and you were all freaked out? They tell you, we remember that. And I helped you out. Yeah. I'm going to send you another paraclete, another helper, comforter, counselor, friend advocate who will be by your side. So from the Father and the Son comes this helper to be with us forever. This morning I want to talk about the Holy Spirit as help from the sanctuary. This is a lovely phrase that we find in the Psalms. Psalm 20, verse 2, may the Lord send you help from the sanctuary here in Psalm 20 uh, the psalmist is, is praying for someone this is a psalm of petition and blessing and the prayer of the psalmist for the one whom the psalmist loves is may the Lord send you help may Yahweh send you help from the sanctuary the idea behind that is that May the presence of God that is resident within the temple come and be with you and bring you the help that you need. Because the the temple was understood as the place of God's earthly presence. And the psalmist says, I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to pray that from the presence of God in the sanctuary in Jerusalem, help would come to you. When you need it most. That's nice. That's good. But, you know, as we read the Old Testament, let's do it in the light of the New Testament. As we read the Old Covenant, let's do it in the light of the New Covenant. And so it, it isn't, we're not so much talking about the sanctuary as a stone temple in Jerusalem that in fact no longer exists. We're drawn to a greater, better everlasting sanctuary. Here I'm talking about the eternal sanctuary of the Godhead. That is the sanctuary of the Holy Trinity because the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are a sanctuary of eternal peace, love, and joy. We understand God as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit three persons, if you want to use that word, but in unity, the Holy Trinity, the living God who is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, as we often confess. Well, they form, as it were, an eternal sanctuary in the heavenly realm, in the heavens, where there is never any fear or discord or sorrow. They are a community of perfect love. This is what we see in that very famous icon by Andrei Rublev that he created in around the year 1411 600 years ago in Russia during a time of political strife and turmoil which I'm sure we know nothing about but you can imagine perhaps such a situation yes during a time of great political strife upheaval division turmoil um, Andrei Rublev, a Russian Orthodox monk, wanted to give something to his community that could remind them of a peace that was accessible outside of the political turmoil they were experiencing in their contemporary situation. And so he created this depiction of... uh, the Trinity as manifest in the hospitality of Abraham. That is when the angels came to Abraham under the oaks of Mamre. And there's so much about this. I've talked about this before and I'm not gonna go into a deep dive on Rublev's Trinity icon, but you you do see that they're in a circle, the perichoresis, the divine circle that is the Holy Trinity. They themselves are in the shape of a cup If you can see that, they themselves form the shape of a cup. And they are identified from left to right as we view it. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And as you look at that, you say, you know what? There's peace there. There's love there. There's joy there. That is is a very picture of undisturbed peace. You You can imagine all kinds of turmoil that is this world. Strife and division and hate, anger and rage. Outside of this, but here is a sanctuary. In this sanctuary, we find love and joy and peace. This one on our right, this person, this figure, clad in the green mantle, represents the Holy Spirit. And so maybe you just even look at this and maybe you look at Jesus who's represented in the middle the son saying to the father send them the spirit to help them. And so here we are anybody going through anything? Anybody feeling any kind of pressure, anxiety, turmoil, you need some help? Maybe you envision the son saying to the father send the spirit To be their paraclete, to be their helper, to be their comforter, to be their counselor, to be their advocate. And see the Holy Spirit standing up from the table and coming to you. And bringing to you the help that is present in that sanctuary. That peace, that love, that joy that's there being brought to you. Ah, just maybe breathe that in. All right, so that's... That's what we're talking about today. That's what we're seeing. In the sanctuary of perfect love, there is no room for fear or any of fear's ugly permutations. It's really from fear that we get all the other ugly stuff, the hate, the accusation, all that sort of thing. The sanctuary of the Trinity is in fact the perfect self-giving love that drives out all fear. And so... Who is the Holy Spirit? Well, the Holy Spirit is the paraclete bringing help from the sanctuary of the Holy Trinity. I, w- I want this to be impressed upon you that you are not abandoned. Jesus says, I, I'm, not gonna, I'm not abandoning you. You're not going to be orphaned. You're not going to be left to fend for yourself. I am going and sending. I'm going to the Father, and the Father will send another helper that will be with you always, 24-7, wherever you go, this is the paraclete, this is the spirit, the helper, comforter, counselor, advocate, friend. So there is a sanctuary that is untouched by fear, hate, and sorrow, the fear, hate, and sorrow of this world that is so present, that is so evident, you know. 30 seconds on the cable news site we will make that evident to you that it's all raging around us, driven by fear, a lot of hate, a lot of anger, a lot of rage, lack of peace, all of that. Well, in a world beset by evil and sin, do you find comfort in knowing that such a sanctuary exists? That, that no matter what happens here, there is a sanctuary that is unfazed. It's untouched. The Father, Son, and Spirit in the sanctuary of the Holy Trinity are not rigging their hands. What are we going to do? It's all a mess. No. It's perfect love. Perfect joy. Perfect peace. I take great comfort in knowing there is a sanctuary in the heavens that evil can never touch. There is a place where sorrow and suffering is, and I'm using a theological word, impassable. Not P-A-S-S-A, but P-A-S-S-I, unmoved. Unmoved by the the, the sanctuary of the Holy Trinity that is the living God is not, though God cares for us and God feels our, our anxiety, he shares that, he's sympathetic, Jesus is the sympathetic high priest. He himself is not anxious. You know, when you're very upset and very troubled, actually what you need is someone who cares for you but is not upset. What you need when you're upset is someone that cares. They're they're not saying, it doesn't matter, I don't care. No, they care, but they're not upset. They are a rock of stability. They love and they care, but they're not They're not distraught like you are. This is the paraclete. This is the Holy Spirit. This is help from the sanctuary. The sanctuary of perfect peace coming to you. Now this reminds me of one of my favorite passages in the Lord of the Rings. I can't seem to quite get away from the Lord of the Rings. I'm not really trying, but... um, As life goes on for me, I first read it in the year 2000. And now I've read it four times. And I think a fifth one's looming. I can feel it. And it's becoming more and more deeply theological for me. It isn't just, you know, the greatest fantasy tale ever told, which it is that. But Tolkien himself said, I have written a deeply Christian story, uh, if people can perceive it. If you want a little help on how to read The Lord of the Rings as a deeply Christian story, you read uh, The Battle for Middle-earth by Fleming Rutledge. And that'll, it's like like a Christian commentary of maybe four or 500 pages on this, you know, 1100-page epic tale. Well, anyway, um, there's a passage, one of my favorite passages in The Lord of the Rings is when. It's towards the end of the story. It's about 900 pages in. And Frodo and Sam are passing through the land of shadow in Mordor. And they are at their lowest moment. They are very near to despair. They're out of provision. They're out of food. They're out of everything. They don't have a guide. They're under constant threat passing through the land of shadow. As night falls, they seek refuge in some brambles. That's where they're going to find a, kind of a place to hide and sleep because, you know, they're always trying to avoid the eye of Sauron and the ever-present threat of orcs. But as Frodo and Sam sleep in that little bramble hideout, in the middle of the night, Sam awakens and he crawls out And he peers up into the night sky. Far above the Epheldueth in the west, the night sky was still dim and pale. There peeping among the cloud rack above a dark tor, high up in the mountains, Sam saw a bright star twinkle for a while. The beauty of it smote his heart as he looked up out of the forsaken land and hope Returned to him. For like a shaft, clear and cold, the thought pierced him that in the end, the shadow was only a small and passing thing. There was light and high beauty forever beyond its reach. Now, for a moment, his own fate and even his master's ceased to trouble him. He crawled back into the brambles and laid himself by Frodo's side. And putting all fear aside, he cast himself into a deep, untroubled sleep. Ah, oh, that's such a beautiful passage. Of course, this is Tolkien's way of talking about heaven and the throne of God untouched by the powers of evil. The Trinity is a sanctuary of undisturbed peace, love, and joy forever beyond the rest, the reach of evil. So Sam crawls out and he sees this, there's the clouds and there's the mountain range. And yes, we're in Mordor and land of shadow. But then he sees this twinkling star and he realizes, ah, oh, there is beauty and light untouched by shadow. And after all, what is the shadow? It is but a passing thing. And with that hope revived, he lays down and has a night of untroubled sleep. Well, it's from the sanctuary of the Holy Trinity, of the living God, that help comes to us like it did to Samwise Gamgee in the land of shadow. This was the help he needed, and it came in that moment. And this is the help that will always come to those who ask. Jesus said, if you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? What do you need to do for the Holy Spirit, the paraclete? the helper, comforter, counselor, advocate to come to your side. What do you need to do? You need to ask. Help me. That, that's, that is a perfectly acceptable prayer right there. Help me. Help me. And when you pray to the Father, help me, the Spirit is sent. The Holy Spirit comes. When we ask for help, the Father in heaven sends the paraclete from the sanctuary, from that sanctuary of perfect peace, the help comes. Help from the sanctuary always comes, though it may not come in the form of a desired outcome. That's what we want. I get it. I mean, I'm with you. I understand that. Perry, in that moment, she wants her arm not to be broken. Just, you know, rewind the tape, you know, five seconds and we get a do over and nothing happens. That's what we want. Those sorts of things are very rare, very rare. I won't say they don't happen. I say they're very rare. Help will always come, though it won't always come in the form of a desired outcome. Help may come in the form of comfort, perspective, hope and strength to endure. The help from the sanctuary that is the Holy Spirit will always come, but it may come in the form of comfort, perspective, hope, and the strength to endure. This is, this is what came to Samwise. does Samwise? Really? He just he wants this whole thing to be over. Can't you just, you know, send somebody, grab the ring, throw it and the crack of Mount Doom and we're done with it. Okay, great. But that doesn't happen because they have their whole role to play. Everything, it has to be real. If you have infinite intervention, then you cease to be you. Your autonomy is erased in that moment. And so it isn't the kind of intervention that just alters all circumstances instantly that comes, no. But it comes in the form of comfort, perspective, hope strength to endure. And that's what came to Samwise. I'm using that as an illustration for how help from the sanctuary comes. Very near despair, about to give up, crawls out, sees the star and brings comfort to him. There, there is a place untouched by the shadow, a place of uh, what does he call it? Uh, for like a shaft, clear and cold, the thought pierced to him that in the end, the shadow was only a small passing thing. There was light and high beauty, light and high beauty, forever beyond the reach of, sh- of the shadow. Okay, that's perspective. That's perspective. The shadow is just a passing thing. The, there is light and high beauty that evil can never touch. Ah, that's a different perspective. And hope is regenerated and that gives one strength to endure. And so what is, what is Samwise and Frodo able to do in the morrow? Get up and press on for another day. I'm going to tell you, do not think, oh, I, I really just want God to come fix everything. Infinite intervention erases your autonomy and you cease to be anything authentic. But what will always come to you is comfort, perspective, and hope. That gives you strength to endure. And strength to endure is help not to be lightly dismissed. I mean, despair actually is the great enemy. If something can come to you, and if, if the Paraclete can come to your side and say, I'm here, you're not alone, I'm here to comfort you, let's think about it a different way. It's not over, there's hope. Then you're able to say, okay, let's, let's keep going. And that's the help from the sanctuary that we need. Fourteen years ago, I was going through a hard time. Oh, man. 2009. It was January of 2009. I was in the midst of attempting to lead Word of Life into something better out of easy cheesy cotton candy Christianity. Who knew that cotton candy was so popular? <laughs> Some people, you try to take away their candy, they get very upset. They misread you, they malign you, misrepresent you, and that caused me great pain. Uh, you didn't see it if you were around. I hide that. I, don't, I can go through great pain and no one's gonna know except people very close to me. That'd be very close to me. I don't share that. That's, that's neither good nor bad. That's just the way I am. But I was feeling great pain. It was a hard time. Everything in me wanted to quit. I mean, there were all kinds of voices saying, you know, BZ, you can do other things. Other than try to drag word of live church into a better place. You can just let them stay there and go somewhere else and do something else that, all those doors are open. You can do that, you know. And the pain was maybe pushing me toward that. So I was out in San Diego at a pastor's conference. And I was there with one of my good friends who's also a pastor. And we'd gone to one of the workshops. I don't even remember who the speaker was. I think he was maybe like an Old Testament scholar, but I'm not sure. But I remember that he was speaking on praying the Psalms. That was his deal. He had a book out or maybe books on the Psalms and he had memorized like, like all the Psalms, I think, or most of them. And he was, he was talking about the benefit of praying the Psalms. It was very good. I don't remember who he was, but I remember the, it was good. And there was maybe, I don't know, I don't know, there was maybe 40, 50 people in this workshop. It was a huge pastor's conference, thousands. And um, when the session was over, everybody left, but my friend wanted to speak one-on-one with this with this man and so I'm just there in the room I'm not inclined to talk to him but I'm still there with my friend so I'm overhearing a conversation I'm not part of the conversation I'm overhearing it my friend says to this man man I'm trying to pastor the church going through a hard time people don't understand me they're misunderstanding you know they're fighting me they're saying mean things about me and I'm feeling so bad and I'm thinking oh that's me but I didn't say that because I'm more private And I heard this man so deeply formed in the psalm say to my friend, I overheard him say, you're sharing in the sufferings of Christ. I just overheard that. When it said to me, I overheard it and I thought, huh, well, I can do that. And that right there provided comfort, a different perspective, Ah." and a little glimmer of hope that gave me strength to endure. If I just thought it was like everybody's against me and we're just going to destroy this whole thing and I'm so maligned by so many, then I was on the verge of despair. But when it was like, oh, you're just sharing in the sufferings of Christ. Oh, well, that's a different perspective. That brings some comfort. That gives some hope. Okay, I can press on. That was help from the sanctuary when I needed it. It was the Holy Spirit of me just overhearing something. It wasn't even said to me, I just overheard it. But it was for me as much as it was for anyone else. It gave me strength to endure. Because when we're going through hard times, we need help from our friends. I get by with a little help from my friends, as Ringo sang, and That's true. There is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. This is what the paraclete is. The friend who sticks closer than a brother. The friend sent from the sanctuary to stand by your side no matter what. And can I tell you this? Can I tell you this? Friendship is the highest form of love. Friendship is the highest form of love. You marry out of romantic love, but you do so in the hope of becoming friends. It's it's romantic love that brings you to the altar. But after you've said your I do's and had the reception, had your honeymoon, and actually begin to do life together, the hope is that eventually you can become real friends. Because friendship is the highest form of love. And this is the paraclete. Help sent from the sanctuary, that is the sanctuary of divine love, sent from the sanctuary of divine love to be your friend. And a true friend is one who will tell you the truth, even about yourself. A true friend may not always agree with you, but a true friend will never abandon you, never forsake you, will always stand by you, right? A true friend says, I don't I don't agree with the path you're taking right now, but still I'm here for you. But I need to tell you the truth. All right, this is the Holy Spirit, another proverb. The kisses of an enemy are deceitful, but faithful are the wounds of a friend. The paraclete may occasionally wound us, wound our conscience. With some conviction, this is part of the work of the Holy Spirit. But the Holy Spirit is also the friend that will bring comfort and healing when we need it. The paraclete is the helper sent to be with you just like Jesus was with his disciples. So, the Holy Spirit is not a nagging scold, but a friend to help and comfort you. The Holy Spirit is the spirit of divine advocacy, the spirit of God's eternal love. The Holy Spirit is the paraclete, the friend who is always by your side. The Holy Spirit is help from the sanctuary, a sanctuary in the heavens, untouched by evil, fear, hate, and the despair of this world. Amen and amen. Stand up with me. Let's take a moment and pray. Father, in the name of the Son, we ask you to send us help from the sanctuary. Send us the promised paraclete. Send us the helper, the comforter, the counselor, the advocate. Send us that friend, that heavenly friend, that divine friend, the friend who is God, To be by our side. To give us hope. To give us comfort. To give us perspective. That ultimately we might have the strength to endure and make it to the other side. Come Holy Spirit. Be that promised friend. Help. Comfort. Counsel. Advocacy. That gives us comfort. Hope. Perspective and the strength to endure in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. And now we come to the table of the Lord. Join with me first in confessing our Christian faith. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. He was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Now join with me in confessing our sins and receiving the pardon of the Lord. Most merciful God, we confess that we have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We are truly sorry and we humbly repent. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us and forgive us that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your name. Amen. And God is gracious to all who confess their sins and in humility ask for mercy. In the name of Jesus Christ, your sins are forgiven. And this is the table not of the church, but of the Lord. It is made ready for those who love him and for those who want to love him more. So come, you who have much faith and you who have little, you who have been here often and you who have not been here long, you who have tried to follow and you who have failed, come because it is the Lord who invites you. It is his will that those who want him should meet him here. The body of Christ broken for you, the blood of Christ shed for you, Amen.